great to be here with you this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, whether you're here on our Canandaigua campus, or of our online campus, or of course our Hopewell campus, happy Easter to you. Uh, I uh, have had a tradition. It's not my tradition. It's actually the ancient church tradition. But ever since I've had the privilege of, of sharing an Easter message, it's become part of my tradition. And that is when I stand in front of those I'm speaking to, I'll say, he is risen. And the ancient response is, he's risen indeed. Some of you are familiar with this. And so I'll say, he's risen. You'll say, oh, you got it. You got it. So let's do this thing. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. Ah, oh, you bet he has. It is exciting to be here with you this morning. There is so much that we could say about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so much more than I could ever share in one Easter message. Jesus died for our sins, was resurrected for our salvation. And I don't believe it's overly simplistic to say that the reason that Christ came was for the salvation of every single person who would receive him as Savior and Lord. His coming and offering of salvation not only changed his people's lives, but literally has changed the world. As we think of the mission that he set forth nearly 2,000 years ago through his church, we look at the impact that it has had on society from social services to schooling to medical care to the inspiration of arts and culture and, and politics and philosophy and, and world affairs. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as is in heaven. It, it was so much more than just a future anticipation of Christ's return. It, it was a literal belief that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven today, that his kingdom would broaden, that his influence would expand, that people would come to know Jesus. Christ's coming ignited a movement that transforms his followers, unleashing them as change agents in our culture. It was about eight years ago, actually eight years and a month ago, almost to the day, that I was in Jerusalem. I had the opportunity on that particular Sunday morning to, to worship in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is, is right in the old city. And the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a really interesting place for a number of reasons. For one, six denominations meet in that same church structure. Can you imagine that? And so on a Sunday morning, there's church services happening all over the place, and and many, many, many years, hundreds of years uh, ago, uh, those six denominations couldn't agree on who should hold the key. Now, can you imagine six denominations not agreeing on something? And so what did they do? They gave the key to a Muslim family. And they had the Muslim family come and open the church and shut it. And that key has been passed down for generation to generation. When I was there, my tour guide knew the family, and so I got to actually meet the holders of the key. And, and they go every morning, open it up, and when... When the hours are done, they, they close it up. Now, I had particularly chosen uh, to go there that Sunday morning for church for a number of reasons. First of all, it, underneath this huge structure, it houses both where they believe Christ was crucified and where he was buried. If you read John's gospel, it says that Christ wasn't buried far from where he was crucified. And so you can actually, on one end of the church structure, go and, and, and see the area where they believe he was crucified, the other area to see the tomb. And I wanted to be able to visit it and and so on Sunday morning before the service, it's only open in between the services, I went in in the morning and, and, and went into the tomb. Uh, it's sort of an interesting structure now, as you can imagine. And by the way, he's not there. 
I went in and, and, and afterwards, just less than a stone throw away, I attended a mass. Now the mass was in Latin, so I didn't understand most of it, but I sort of got the idea of what they were probably talking about. And I can remember in the midst just being so moved as we're a part of this service that had people from all over the world. I mean, God's people from the nations were represented in this, in this mass. Just a stone throw away, I remember looking back often at the empty tomb and thinking, this is what life is about. This is what Jesus has done for us. There's another account that was much more contemporary to Jesus' resurrection that we're going to look at this morning. In Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, uh, Matthew's gospel, he, he shares this account. He says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. So I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. And go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. What a remarkable account. Jesus was crucified on Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath. And Sunday morning, he rose. Matthew's account reports that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary uh, went. These disciples went to visit the tomb. And, of course, there's an earthquake. And we don't know if the earthquake uh, happened simultaneously to the angel's arrival or whether he'd used it to move the stone. We just know it happened, and we know that these battle-hardened soldiers are, are scared to death. They had never seen anything like this before. And the angel comforts the ladies by saying, do not fear. But then the angel wants to make sure that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary understood the meaning of the empty tomb, and he shares with them this threefold message. Jesus is risen. He was going to Galilee and the disciples would see him there. It's noteworthy that Jesus gives them the same message uh, that Matthew records for us down in verse 10. And I think it's a significant point that Matthew mentions these women and the angel directing them to go and give testimony to the other disciples. Now, we don't know if he was speaking of just the 11 or, or probably the, the whole group of disciples who were probably waiting together, wondering what their next step was. Now, why is this significant? Why is it significant that Matthew would record that these ladies were going to go and give testimony? Well, because Jews at the time did not consider women competent to give testimony in court. Now, by the way, ladies, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, that was sort of culturally taboo, if you will, that the writers of the Gospels accept the witness of these ladies uh, of the resurrection really supports the church's high esteem of women. And the women leave the scene celebrating, they, they leave in, in awe of the risen Christ, and then they meet Jesus personally, and Matthew records that they grab hold of his feet. Now, why is that important? Because Matthew wants us to know, right, that this was no hallucination. 
that it wasn't a vision, that this is a bodily resurrection, that Jesus Christ himself stood before these women and they worship him. And the fact that Jesus receives their worship, knowing that the only one worthy of worship is God, shows that Jesus Christ is God. Yes, this is an extraordinary account indeed. In fact, the resurrection is the foundation of our Christian faith and our continuing mission that Christ ignited in his followers. Let me say that again, that that, that the resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith and the continuing mission Christ ignited in his followers. Now, I'm making two assumptions this morning, and I know assumptions can be dangerous, but maybe if we're on the same page with these assumptions, it'll help us out a little bit. First of all, I'm taking for granted that most of you are here, whether in person or online, most of you are, are, are a part of this service because you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. You believe in the resurrection. Secondly, I believe some of you are here who may not yet believe in it, but you're here because you're investigating. In other, for, in other words, you, you're, you're committed to saying, I want to know if, if this is true. And if you're here, we're, we're here to help you. In fact, we're going to talk about some information that you can get that will help you investigate these things. Much has been written on it. But in other words, here's my assumption. Both of them sort of wrapped into one. We're just going to say the resurrection occurred. But what I want to do this morning is share with you some reasons then why the resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith. And so I'm going to share five reasons, and the first is this. Why is the resurrection our foundation? It's because Jesus, as he promised, as he promised, rose from the dead. The death of Jesus alone would not have sufficed, since it's our identification in his death, his burial, and his resurrection that we're saved. In 1 Corinthians 15, that some have called sort of the, the resurrection chapter of the New Testament, Paul urges us that we could have no hope apart from Christ's resurrection. Look at his words with me. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13, 14, 16, and 17. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Now, the good news is that Christ has risen, that the resurrection is true. And each of us can be confident, therefore, that he will accomplish what he promised. I mean, just think about it. How many times in your life have you come across a promise in Scripture and you go, I hope that's true? And I'm just here to tell you that if Jesus said, I'm going to come back from the dead, and he did just that, what promise can he not keep? He's able to keep all of them. And so, why is the Why is the resurrection the foundation of our Christian faith? In part because Jesus said he was going to do this thing, and he did it. And therefore, when we explore all the promises in Scripture, we can can be confident that not only can he, he will accomplish those things. I don't have time to go through all the promises in Scripture. I don't have time to go through all the promises in the Gospels, not even in Matthew. But there's a load of them worth us knowing and claiming. The second reason why the resurrection is our foundation It's because Jesus' bodily resurrection shows that the living Christ is ruler of God's eternal kingdom, not a false prophet or imposter. In fact, the significance of the the resurrection is intertwined with the significance of the person who rose from the dead. Think about that. Jesus is not a mere mortal. Jesus is the Son of God. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he claimed to be the Son of God. In fact, the religious leaders put him to death for that very reason. 
See, the resurrection is proof positive that Jesus is the Son of God as he declared. The resurrection proves that Jesus was more than a prophet, certainly more than an imposter. He's not an imposter. He, he is who he says he is. And there have been those who have said, well, listen, I don't know if Jesus is God, but I believe he's a good teacher. I believe he's a moral person. But yet we all realize that if he said he was the son of God and wasn't, then he's nothing more than a liar. That's not moral, nor is it good. But Jesus is exactly who he says he was and is. Jesus is God and ruler of the eternal kingdom. Consider Paul's words. He's writing to the church in Philippi, in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Listen to what he writes. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's the incarnate, crucified, and risen Jesus whose deity is revealed and is Lord of all. What, what am I getting at? Well, all intelligent beings, human, angelic, demonic, will willingly or unwillingly one day bow before Jesus and proclaim him as Lord. I've often sat with an individual who says, well, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't believe Jesus is Lord. And, and I've had many conversations with them, and I, I've said to them, one day you will acknowledge it whether you want to or not. Everyone will acknowledge it. But when we acknowledge it on this side of paradise, we receive eternity with him. That he is Lord of the eternal kingdom. Jesus is more than a moral leader. He's a son of God. He's Savior and Lord. And that's why the resurrection, that's why the resurrection is, is a foundation for our faith. Thirdly, the resurrection is our foundation because we can be certain of our resurrection because he was resurrected. I love this one. Death is not the end, there is a future life. Right, church? He is alive and we're made alive in him from this day through eternity. Christ is described as the first fruit of the resurrection from the dead, meaning that his resurrection is a precursor to the resurrection of all believers. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this time in verses 21 through 22. For as by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Adam is the man who through death spread to the entire human race. Now, by the way, before we are too hard on Adam, I've often said I'm so thankful that when God created this first man, he didn't name him Craig. That's my name. Uh, because the reality of it is he was innocent before he was tested, and all of us would have probably failed that test. In fact, all of us would have. That's not really the point. The point isn't that Adam failed. The, 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 the real point is, is that failure has really stained all of us, hasn't it? But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ is the greater man, the scripture says, who overcame death by his resurrection. Now that's good news for Jesus, but the good news for us is by faith in him, we too will be made alive at the resurrection. Too many people live as if this life is all there is. And by the way, there are some days if this life is all there is, and my goodness, take it or leave it, right? But there's more. The life we get to live today is, is a life that, if we're in Christ, gives us this, this sure hope of eternity with him. There's more to this life than simply living and dying. There, there's resurrection life for the hereafter, and that impacts us even in the here and now. In fact, why is the resurrection our, our foundation? Well, because 
The power that brought Jesus back to life is available to us to bring our spiritual dead selves back to life. Think about that. Not just our physical selves when we die and, and, and move on to paradise, but our spiritually dead selves. I'm talking about the cells that we're born into, that spiritually dead self, that part that's separated from God until we come and, and are united with him through Jesus Christ. See, the fact that Jesus is alive today means that he's able to save us today. And that's good news. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that the Holy Spirit will be poured out into the hearts of those who believe. Think about that. After Christ had risen and ascended, he was able to send the promised Holy Spirit to continue his work here on earth. This means that that Christ's earthly ministry continues today in the life of his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, he gives this amazing message on the day of Pentecost. It's re- part of it's recorded for us in Acts 2.33. It reads this way, Peter speaking to this huge crowd. Jesus being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. The whole multitude of people are, 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 are seeing something unusual happening in the life of the disciples, and part of what's happening is them being able to celebrate the indwelling spirit of Christ that is in their life. I I mean, they're experiencing life and and, and resurrection power that they've never experienced before. They have this confidence that only Christ can give, and the people are watching. In fact, some people saw what was happening and said, are they drunk? I mean, that's how they were acting. They were just sort of excited and and, and apparently undignified. And Peter says, no, 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 What what you're seeing, you can experience. This this life that's in us is offered to you as well. Peter later writes in one of his letters, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an internal inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What good news. Christian hope is more than mere wishful thinking, you know? It's a living reality rooted in the one who was resurrected, the one who was dead and is now alive. Believers are promised an eternal inheritance that begins today, and I think that's so important that we understand that, yes, we have this promise of eternal life, and and that's a, a, a tremendous promise, but the promise of life begins today. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly overflowing, more than you could imagine. That means when, when we're having one of those days, have you ever gotten up in the morning and thought this is going to be one of those days? Have you ever gotten ready to go to bed and realize you were right? And Jesus says what? That I can give you life and joy and power and victory in the midst of all circumstances. My guess is like me, you've often prayed, Lord, just take care of the circumstances. Just just get them out of the way. You know, I don't want these circumstances. And God says, I don't always work that way. When we look at Scripture, his promise isn't that life is going to be easy every day. His promise is no matter what life throws at you, he's bigger than your problem. He's more than enough. See, a Christian isn't happy in the midst of difficulty. They just have joy. There's a difference. They, They don't want difficulty to come into their life, but when it does, they realize God has it. It's in his hands. 
and that we're not spiritually dead in Christ, we're alive in Christ, and that our hope is a reality. It's not, it's not wishful thinking, it's, it's power, it's peace when we focus on him. This also means that Christ will help us people by the Spirit, and it means he strengthens us, and he convicts us, and he guides us into the life that he desires for us. That's why the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. But then lastly, why is the resurrection our foundation? Well, the resurrection is our foundation because it's the basis for the church's witness to the world. By the way, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you are the church. This building isn't the church, we're the church. And the resurrection is the basis of our witness to the world. The disciples, think about it. The disciples had seen their Jesus die. And through that death, they lost all hope. They lost all hope. Yet hope returned three days later. On the day of the crucifixion, they were filled with sadness. On the first day of the week, joy. When the message of the resurrection came to the eleven, they were skeptical. They, they weren't sure whether to believe it or not, but once they were assured, they never, ever, ever doubted again. They stood strong in the power of Christ. Now, from the radical change of the Christ followers, the early church was birthed. Think about it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brought this radical change in the life of his followers, and he still does it today. He brings about a radical change in those who, who choose him. The birth of Christ's church came to existence as a result of the belief in the resurrection. The disciples of Christ willingly gave their life for Jesus because they knew he was alive. alive. They knew his promises were true. They had this power that no one else could explain except for the gospel and, and, and the good message that says that that power they had came from the very spirit of God, but doesn't, didn't just reside in them, but resides in each and every one of us who know Jesus. We're part of that mission. When Christ ascended into heaven, he commissioned his followers to make disciples of all peoples. And still today, that mission that he ignited nearly 2,000 years ago burns bright in our lives. That's why the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. See, I just want to share with you this Easter morning, 2021, that the resurrection is not just a matter of fact, which can be taken lightly. It's literally a matter of life and death, eternal life and death. The resurrection is not simply a fact that can be believed and rejected. To this fact, our, our response will determine our eternal destiny. The resurrection of our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a kind of watershed moment in all of humanity. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of the Christian faith and the continuing movement. Christ ignited in his followers. And, and one of the most important questions you'll ever be asked and answer is how will you respond to the finished work of Christ on the cross in his resurrection? How will you respond to that? If you were a part of that first group that I just assumed believe in the resurrection, then, then maybe the question isn't future tense, it's today. Today, do you believe the promises of Jesus? Today, do you realize the power of Christ that resides in you because of the relationship you have with God? Today, are you holding on to that sure hope in Christ? If you're part of that second group that I assume that maybe you're here and you haven't yet received Christ as Lord and Savior, I just want to tell you no better time than the present. 
No better time than on this Easter morning to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, to thank him for dying for your sins and being resurrected for your salvation and realizing that the living Savior desires to do life with you. He has a better plan than you could ever come up with. Trust me. And he loves you. And I say this often because it's one of the mind-blowing facts of, of the account of, the, of Jesus. And that is that God didn't just tell us he loved us, he showed it. That's what blows my mind. Like, I don't have to doubt whether Jesus loves me because he, he, he showed it. He went to the cross for me and for you. And he's a living Savior. And by the way, he's alive for you and me. And that power is accessible to us. When I was sitting in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and part of this Mass and, and gazing back at the spot where they believed that Christ had been buried, and again, I will say it was empty, I, I, I was refreshed with this thought that I had discovered years ago when I'm guessing many in this room have discovered too. We discovered that the resurrection's impact on the believer is not just future tense. It's a living, living reality for us today. It impacts our daily living. And it impacts our daily living because we don't worship one who sacrificed so much and yet is dead. No, no, Jesus is alive. And we follow Jesus who is our risen Lord. And actually that impact changes our life from today into eternity. He is risen, he is risen indeed. And that's why the resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith. And that's why we gather here together saying, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, for all you offer, for allowing us to be a part of your family. As we pray, wherever you're at this morning with Jesus, won't you take the next step with him? Won't you take the next step with him? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the life-giving reality that we can experience in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes when we, when we hear people speak of Christmas, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, it's called the greatest story that's ever been told. And it is the greatest story that's ever been told. But it's more than just a story. This account is true. And it's life-giving. And so, Father, I pray for each person who's either here on the Kennedy campus, the Hopewell campus online, anyone who's participating in this service, that, God, we would just discover, maybe anew in our life, the reality that comes out of being in relationship with you, Jesus. That, yes, being in relationship with you changes our eternal destiny. We're promised eternal life, but that life begins today. That power is accessible to us today. Peace in you is accessible to us today. The circumstances of life, they go up and down. They can be difficult. And yet, in you, we can have victory and joy, even in the midst of difficulty. So, Lord, I pray that those of us who are your followers, that our celebration of you would come from all of our heart. And those who have yet to receive you, even now in the quietness of our heart, that we would do just that. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you, for Thank you for being resurrected for our salvation. You're worthy of our praise, and we freely give it to you.
name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen.